Welcome to And It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two, or in this case, three writers have a few drinks and talk about some writing and other related <laughs> topics. Uh, I'm Avery, and I write adult fantasy. Uh, I am DC. I um, write speculative fiction. It says historical fiction here, too, but like I don't know if I'm working on that one next class. The things have changed. I got an agent now. Can't write. I can't be writing historical fiction. <laughs> uh, we have a guest today. We will be talking to Patricia A. Jackson, author of Forging a Nightmare. Patricia, what does the A stand for? <laughs> Antoinette. Nice. You want to um, introduce yourself a little bit here? Hi, my name is Patty Jackson, and I wrote a really cool urban fantasy called Forging a Nightmare. Uh, it's about an FBI agent who is tracking down a serial killer that's taking out folks born with 12 fingers and toes. They are the Nephilim, descendants of angels. And in order to stop the bad guy, my FBI agent must sign up and ride with the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And it's an awesome book, and there's a lot of good shit in there and some sexy stuff I'm going to point out later in the podcast. Yes. <laughs> After we get through drinks, I have a lot of things I want to say. <laughs> We have many things to talk about. Awesome. <laughs> um, I'm going to let you discuss your drink first since you're featuring yeah. the Bar Cart Bookshelf drink. Yeah. So when we did the, you know, we do drink on every podcast. And so, you know, obviously when we wanted, when we brought Pat in, we were like, oh my gosh, let's do one for Forging a Nightmare. And as it turns out, somebody already did a, <laughs> a cocktail for Forging a Nightmare. And so we would be a bunch of assholes to just not uh, recognize that. And honestly, it's pretty good. Um, I'm drinking it tonight. It's um, on the Vestibule Road um, for, from Barcart Bookshelf. Check them out on YouTube. It's got 1.5 ounces of bourbon in it, almost a whole ounce of fig liquor, half an ounce of blackstrap rum, and a quarter of an ounce of hot honey liquor. It's very good. Like it's surprisingly palatable for like all the, all the booze in there. And boy, this is a kicker. <laughs> <laughs> it kicks you right in the face, which I think might have something to do with a certain character we'll probably be mentioning a lot very soon. Yes, <laughs> uh, which is actually kind of the the inspiration for my drink as well, because I am in love with this character. Uh, <laughs> I found this whiskey called Brimstone, and it's a blue corn whiskey that's smoked with Texas scrub oak from a company called Balconis. Um, So I wanted to feature the Brimstone in a fire and brimstone drink. It's got one and a half ounces of the whiskey, uh, one and a half ounces of a coffee liqueur, uh, one and a half ounces of demerara or brown sugar syrup, half an ounce of lemon juice, and a dash of mole bitters to get just that like hint of like bitter spice in there. So it also has a kick, uh, and it's got this kind of smoky note that kind of reminds me of like the fire and the flames. I didn't want to put actual brimstone because I did not want my drink to smell like that. So you mean like a fart? Like <laughs> isn't brimstone sulfur? Yes. Right? So you just yes. like you're drinking Rock a fart. Just fart in your glass. Like, like just fart. We went with it. like the smoke. Why option. stop? We're writers and that's just too visual for me. Stop. <laughs> I'm processing. Stop. I'm not processing. <laughs> I'm just going to drink what I made, which does not smell or taste like a fart. I don't know what a fart tastes like, but it's probably not good. Jesus Christ. DC, that was all you. We're, that was all your fault. We're off to a great start. Oh, oh, and my drink also, I put on the rim, it's a combination of the green sugar for the green flames, but it's got smoked sea salt in it. So it adds a little bit of like a smoky and it's sexy salty. As well. It's like a sweet, salty note. Oh, you guys are like drink connoisseurs. Oh my goodness. Yes, you want to tell us about your fancy drink and your fancy glass? It's been a rough week with the end of school. So even though it's 80-some degrees outside, I decided it was the hot toddy. So we have some oolong tea with a little bit of southern comfort and a teaspoon of honey to soothe our soul. Hell yeah. And we just love Baby Yoda. So <laughs> It's so it's cute. It's very cute. I need one of me, one of those mugs from the tiki. The tiki, tiki. Yes. Yeah. I feel like a loser. I don't have one. <laughs> I think that, yeah, that's it for the drinks. So we can move into the chatting section. Yeah. So I guess we're going to like let you tell everybody a little bit about Forging a Nightmare before we sort of walk all over that and start uh, freaking out about all the characters and stuff. I guess first we have to set the ground rules. Is this going to be spoilery or not? 
how long has it been out? Yeah. <laughs> November. Okay, we can get spoiled a a little, uh, spoiled just enough to get our listeners being like, "What the fuck? I want to read this." Gotcha. Spoiled just enough, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. We we won't go past like yeah. We won't. I'm not gonna set too many rules here. We don't do rules on the show. <laughs> okay. All right. And you and you guys stop me if I get too if I get too close. Yeah, we'll tell you to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Okay. I'm, I'm, that very well. Um, Forging a Nightmare was brought to life three years ago in a creative writing class. Um, I, as a teacher, uh, I teach creative writing and English at a high school, and we kill creativity. Our high schools are just killing it. So when I turned these babies loose with just, go write your novel now, they were like, what? <laughs> You're not going to tell us what to write. So I went to the board and I did a mind mapping activity and it was forging a nightmare. And it started with the protagonist, Michael, and all these crazy things that would happen to him. So after about 10 minutes of running my mouth, I turned around and I said, okay, look what I've created. It's your turn. And they're all staring at me. <laughs> they're like, are you going to write that? You're going to write that miss, right? And I'm like, no. You guys need to start writing your own stuff. <laughs> exercise. So, like, maybe a month or so later, one of my kids dared me to start writing fan fiction on Wattpad. Yeah, you don't dare me. We do these things. <laughs> and they had this online novella contest, and they were like, Miss, you need to write this novel. So I wrote the first 20,000 words, which were about the first 10 chapters of the novel. And it actually won second place out oh, of wow. everyone in the competition, which was awesome. Oh, yay. But I'm sitting on it and I'm looking at it going, yeah, you're special and I need to do something with you. So I contacted my friend, Nancy Springer, who's a best-selling YA author. And I was like, Nancy, I don't know what the fuck to do. <laughs> and... She was like, well, give it to me. I'll send it to my agent, you know, and her agent sent back, oh, the writing is very good, but it's too dark. It's not for me. And I'm thinking, whatever. <laughs> we, like, like, we like dark, you know, but Nancy said, Patty, you need to sweeten it. You need to go to 80,000, 90,000 words. Don't tell my inner eight-year-old that because my inner eight-year-old talks a lot. She tells a really good story, but she talks a lot, as you can sort of tell. And we took that to 150,000 words, <laughs> you know, and we did pitch wars and we kind of bailed out of pitch wars, um, 88 rejections, including the awesome Sarah Megabo. Oh, yeah? Passed on it. And about a year later, I went to a class on query writing and um, Sarah said, hey, just send me your query. This was to all of us. Send me your query, some of your manuscripts. Well, I sent the query and not the manuscript. And she called me on it like 24 hours later. Oh. And I'm like, you rejected it a year ago. <laughs> you did this to me. I'm not going to waste your time. And, <laughs> and she was like, no, send it. I'm like, okay, all right, not a problem. So I sent it along. And within a couple of days, a very small, very niche press was interested in the novel. So I did everything you're supposed to do. I contacted Sarah back and I said, look, they're interested. She goes, who are they? I want to know who they are. <laughs> it was so funny. It was like a mama bear. Who so, is that? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she writes back to me. She said, tell them that you're going to think about it. Give me the weekend to look at this and I'll get back to you. So I got this line edit in the first two chapters and it was ginormous. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? You know what you're going to do? You're going to bow your head to the bit and you're going to do these line edits because yeah. you'll get the next agent because she's telling you what to do. You'll get yeah. the next agent. Little did I know, I really believe that was a temperament test. Mm. <laughs> and when I sent the changes back to her 24 hours later, because <laughs> I'm erotic, she wants to have a phone call. And at the beginning of the phone call, she says, Patty, this is the start of the conversation where you tell me to get lost because of the changes I asked you to make. Or at the end of this conversation, I offer you representation. Sarah Megabo, dream agent of the world. Are you kidding me? That's all I heard. The bells and whistles. Yeah, yeah. The fireworks. You want to talk about her philosophy and whatnot. And I was like, oh my goodness. Um, but getting back to the novel, 
the novel was an exorcism for me as a black woman because originally the character of Michael was white. Really? Yes. I have grown up in a world where to be beautiful, you had to have blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair skin. Oh. It wasn't until my Star Wars days that I started to experiment with dark-skinned characters because my father, who grew up in the South, taught me that you don't bring attention to yourself because that's dangerous. And if you the news, being Black, you're a prey animal. Yeah. It's dangerous. And I grew up in Catholic schools, so Jesus and everybody holy is white. Mm-hmm. So do you have black angels? Do you, do you, is that allowed? Can you do those kinds of things? So then there was Annaba who was unapologetically black. <laughs> she had dreadlocks. I have dreadlocks because of Annaba. Oh. And this needs to change. This needs to change. And yes, yes ma'am. The book almost didn't get <laughs> written because of her, because she was like, this is my fucking story. <laughs> and I need to be telling my fucking story. I'm like, honey, Michael, like, fuck him. This is my story. And we all had to have a come to speech. And um, yeah, you know, I, I made Michael black to be unafraid of these things. And it really was an exorcism for me to come to my blackness and to realize that I am stunningly beautiful. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, forging nightmare. Yeah, and like, yeah, like I, I can't imagine him being white. First yeah. of all, I really cannot imagine it. And then, like, it is just it. You know, you see, there's a lot of fantasy out there, and only until recently did we get to start seeing black people in fantasy. And like, dude, and it's like it's so cool to like see like you know black elves, black nephilim in your case, you know, just like so awesome like these are character designs people don't have like and it it was really really fun to just read it and get into that and like fucking anima like we could talk about (laughs) anima all day long i can see her bossing you around (laughs) she she's doing it now you know because (laughs) i can sort of see a sequel to that and then a book after that and she's like all kinds of in charge and i'm like please Please give out <laughs> some other children on the playground. <laughs> I did not know when, when, so like when, so I reached out to Sarah and I said, Sarah, this was before we were aging. And I said, uh, can you help me find some people to put on this podcast? And she sent me uh, so a list. And then I saw Forging a Nightmare. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. It's going to be about nightmares, like, like, like dream nightmares. And then it was really funny because I, I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is like a Dungeons and Dragons nightmare. Yes. So like, so y'all listening, this is not like the nightmare you're thinking of. We're talking about like mares that are covered in fucking flames, like, which is why the brimstone and the fart yeah. comments. Because <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever owned a mare, you know, you asked politely or you make an appointment. <laughs> I I told DC that Annaba very much reminds me of the pony that I learned how to ride on when I was a kid. I'm like, she had the same personality. Her name was Sugar. Very inept, like not an apt name for Miss Summer. Yeah, um, yeah. The whole time I'm re- I'm like, oh, this is yeah, yeah. This is this is like that personality, and it was perfect, and I loved it. Wait a second. I want to ask about this because. So reading Forging a Nightmare, like, they felt like, Annaba especially, felt like a fucking horse. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that a lot when I read fantasy. Like, it, you, the horses just feel like tools, right? Mm-hmm. They don't really have a lot of personality. I think Roach in uh, Witcher. Witcher is probably a, a, better, um, a better look at what a horse looks like in a novel. But, like... Do you have like do you have like pet peeves when you're reading like other people's work when, when they start writing horses? Because like when I read your book, it was like this this bitch knows a lot about horses. Like it's like she gets it. She gets it. And like I can only imagine like, you know, being on the other side of a novel where a horse isn't written well that certain things might stick out. So like, do you have any like pointers 
for riding horses as well as you do? Like go, go take some riding lessons where you have to go out to the pasture and get the beast, bring it in, brush it, you know, and just get to know different kinds of animals, different kinds of horses, because they have all kinds of personalities. Um, I've owned seven in my lifetime and they were all as unique as a fingerprint and, and their people, you know, you, you have to be like a true animal person. I like horses better than I like most people. Um, when I was a child, I was an only child. So when I needed to confess my sins to someone, I went to my horse and cause he didn't judge me and I could cry on his shoulder without judgment. And when I decided to do this novel, what would it be like if I could take my horse with me to the bully? What would it be like if I could take my horse into that really tense situation? And the horses in my life, it would have been a bad day for some people. I mean, Clay, my horse Clay, he would have licked people to death. <laughs> what do you taste like? Oh, you're nasty. I don't even like you. But my horse, Andy, Andy would look at you and be like, Oh, bitch, really? How about if I just bite your face off for you? <laughs> you know, and then Maya, Maya would be like, that's too many calories. I can't talk to you. <laughs> so, I mean, they all have their unique personalities and mm -hmm. you have to make them characters. You have to make them characters. One of the rules that I learned in, in, in writing is that your secondary characters have to believe the story is their story. Mm -hmm. And when you give that to the horse as well, they just come to life. Mm -hmm. That's a great, I love that. I want that on a fucking shirt. <laughs> <laughs> I that's do so think that true. that's, yeah, a lot of times, like, especially reading fantasy novels, the horses are like motorcycles on four, like that's how people treat them. <laughs> like they don't treat them like characters. They're just like a form of transportation that happens to breathe. Yeah. And that's, that's not accurate at all. No. <laughs> They don't no. always run in a straight line. <laughs> and I guess too many people have had the trail riding experience where you just went trail riding. You know, I have fox hunted. I have vented. I've done dressage. I've shown. I've done hunter jumper. Um, I was at a dressage show. And um, dressage is sort of like an obedience test mm -hmm. for horses. There are letters around the ring and you do something at this letter, do something at this letter. And it takes itself way too fucking seriously sometimes because I'm a fox hunter. You just grab your little flask, have a little snort, and you go galloping across the country. <laughs> but here I am in this little ring trying to do this little obedience mm -hmm. test. And there was a barn and the horses had their heads sticking out of the barn. So as I'm going down the long side, my horse, Cindy, who has a paralyzed vocal cord, is talking to all of them. Oh. And they're talking. I want to hear this horse. I want to hear this horse. We heard a story about this horse earlier before the podcast. I want to hear this shit. Oh, my God. And I'm giggling. I am giggling in the middle of this serious <laughs> test. Okay? I'm giggling. The judge is giggling. It was, it was wonderful. And I just love him. And the story we were telling afterwards is, Indy's a fluffer. <laughs> there are stallions that are not interested. Indy kind of, hey, baby. <laughs> and and, and the baby back. And we were walking by the stallion, and the stallion started, you know? And Indy's like, that was them planning to meet at Starbucks. They don't need Tinder, okay? They don't need that. It's, I love them. And, you know, and that's the personality you have to look for in them because they're just, they're just so honest and just wonderful animals. To those innocent people that listen to our podcast, if you don't know what a fluffer is, I'm going to ruin your day now. <laughs> it's a man or woman or person in a porn scene that comes on before the scene and gets the dick ready for the, for the big Get the dick ready. So what Patty is saying here is that her horse gets the dicks ready. <laughs> I'm just going to spell that out for everybody. Just, just what it is. For that, yes. <laughs> get the dicks ready. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. Cool. You, what about you, Avery? You're quiet over there. We're going to make you talk, Avery. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I just, I love the horse stories. Because, yeah, that was one thing we wanted to talk about because both DC and I have horse experience dc has horses i did equestrian in college except i was 
too chicken to do jumping, I did Western Raining instead, um, which is much more sedate. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Basically, Avery and I, the entire time we were reading the book, we're just like messaging each other back and forth on our, our chat program. Like, wow, this actually feels like a horse. Like there's even a line wow. somewhere about Michael noticing her ears um, and paying close attention to like the position of her ears and when they go all the way back and then when they're like cautious, but not all the way. And I'm like, this is someone who knows horses. There was there was a scene, I'm going to spoil it real quick, where there, Annaba is drinking from holy water. And, like, I have to, like, have someone hold my beer because, like, that scene was written so fucking fun. Like, I, I had my horse in my head doing the same shit because, like, she would do that. Like, <laughs> like you know, like. She, yeah, it's like, what are wow. you going to fucking do about it? <laughs> well, another impetus to write this novel is I wanted to break some religion. Um, because someone told my mother that she was not baptized correctly because she had the water sprinkled on her. She wasn't drowned. And I'm like, you want me to believe in fucking ghosts, but you're hung up on if somebody sprinkled water versus drowning somebody, you're not interested in the symbolism of it. Let me break your shit for you. Let me, I don't bother anybody's toys, but I'm going to break your shit for you. So I would just look for little things that I could just be incredibly disrespectful and Annabelle was like I got you girl <laughs> I did love that scene I, I was you. just losing it I and I howl every time I read it because I'm like Annabelle yes and she's like told you I got you <laughs> I learned a shitload reading this book I was actually googling it but like as I was reading it I was like googling some of this stuff like the, like just some of the facts about the Nephilim and and you know like religion in general like did, did you go into writing this book with, with all that stuff upstairs? Like, did you know all this stuff or were, did you find yourself having to do like extra like um, research? Cause there was just like, I felt smarter after reading it because like, I, like, I was like, there's stuff in here that like, I, 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 and I was just like, is that real? Does that really happen? Is it really that common? And I was like on Google, like looking up like a fucking mutant fingers and people like 12 fingers. I'm like, Oh my God, they're angels. <laughs> Yes. Um, well, I teach world literature, so um, okay. the real basis for the book is Dante Alighieri's The Inferno, because I just can't get enough of it. I just love the book. And, um, and the different kinds of Christianity, Catholicism, mostly, because from age three to 18, I was in Catholic schools. I almost ended up going to a Catholic university. And I met a really great teacher in a comparative religion class who really taught us about the different religions and people get so defensive when you're not of their religion and it's an insecurity. It's as if, if I don't believe is the way you do, you feel you can exist. So you have to attack me if I won't believe what you believe. And I thought I'm gonna break that shit for you too. I'm gonna <laughs> break that for you too. And I thought, okay, all right. So you get the Christian God, but here's this. He went to all the other pantheons and threw them in hell. How you feel about that? I did love that. <laughs> I loved how you brought in the other pantheons yeah. and other religions in there. And what's that going to look like? Because my favorite of the angels, even though I love Lucifer, I love Lokiel and I love his story. You know, that he was a seraphim assigned to go and kill Odin and he fucked it up. He fucked it up three times, you know, and then he had um, amnesia. And didn't know what was going on. And Odin was so appreciative of having this opponent, you know, that he kept him and raised him as his son. And Loki sl slowly started to remember. And that's how Ragnarok got started. But by that time, he had fallen because he had failed in his mission. And God was like, don't like you anymore. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. It's it's just like, it, it was such a cool dive into religion. Just um, weaving yeah. all it was it was it was really cool like yeah i think that was like the funnest part and you get sort of thrown into it right at the beginning like because you meet uh, michael's mom and she's very she is very um she's got a lot going on and i'm just like i want to be as smart as this woman <laughs> like, you know so now yeah, it was a lot of fun mm -hmm. it was a lot of fun and she owns his butt doesn't she yeah yes she does yes she does okay let's see what what am i forgetting about here 
we kind of talked about the horses. Um, do we want to go into like the fun question or the serious question next? Ooh, fun or serious? Which one do you want, Patty? Fun. Okay. Fun or serious? The fun question was one that I came up with <laughs> because the beginning of the book opens and Michael is doing jousting. And so I'm assuming you have experience with Ren Fairs. And the question is for any of us to share our weirdest or most outrageous Ren Fair stories. I can't wait to share my most outrageous fucking Ren Fair story. <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear this. Am I, am, I, am I going first? You can if you want. Go first. All right. I love the Ren Fair. I have not been in a while because my knees are, are really bad and it's just tough to get around. And I, I just need to go because I just love it. But I had just been married. That's over. But I had just been married. And I had the black girl tail knot going on. And I had my nails done. So I was looking good, girls. Okay. So we were at the Globe Theater. And they had an actor playing William Shakespeare. And they were asking couples to come up and do the Romeo and Juliet balcony scene. So one couple got up. And he, 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 giggle, giggle, giggle. And there was a prize. It was this little stupid $2 pendant. But I decided that I wanted it. Okay? I wanted it. I had to have it. Had an Annaba moment before I knew about Annaba. Anyway, the next couple gets up and they have these lousy British accents. And now I know I want it. So I'm looking at my husband, who's like super, super shy. He wanted no parts of it. So I was like... So down I go. And they pulled this other guy out of the audience. And I was like... Yo, Romeo, Romeo, what up, kid? This your father and come up in my crib. And the actor, no expression. <laughs> no expression. Everybody was silent. And then they were like, ah! And so they were doing applause to see who was going to win the pendant. Oh, yeah. Romeo, Romeo. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome so that was the best thing that was awesome. i was gonna say people nice. do take shakespeare super seriously and i'm like you do realize i know it's like mm -hmm. was let like, that go not. just it's fine it's fine <laughs> you're next avery okay, i'm gonna save mine um my story mine. is i don't really have a lot that were like super outrageous but my like my most hilarious rimfer story was the first time i went to visit dc we went to the ren fair to the Ren Fair. We did go to the Ren Fair and they had pumpkin spice mead and I had so much pumpkin spice mead that I don't remember the last part of the Ren Fair. I remember I remember the first half and at some point I acquired a leather dice tray that I don't remember buying. And then I remember the ride home and DC and I are both like laughing our asses off and everybody else is just like oh god oh no what did we because it was like the second day i was there and they were all just like oh god what have we brought <laughs> i think that rocks i uh i have a lot of fair stories because i used to work at a fair, so like i have to choose my demons here i well the thing about me is um, I'm really good at being obnoxious, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> I haven't felt that. I feel kindred. <laughs> um, so I was hired by the queen to sell flags uh, the Ren Faire during the joust. They, they were like, mm -hmm. okay, we need somebody who's loud and who can dress up and do a British accent <laughs> to, to sell these flags. And I'm like, I'll sell the damn flags. I can sell a flag to anybody. And they're like, yeah, we'd like to see you sell these flags because here's the thing. We want $10 for them, like a piece. But they are they were literally just like a cheap-ass wooden dowel, like a skewer mm -hmm. for kebabs. Oh, no, it's like fucking like uh, felt, like, like hot glued yes. on. Like they didn't have names. They didn't have logos. They didn't have anything. And they're just like, you got to sell these. And I'm like... All right, I'm going to do it. And they're like, literally, any money you make on these, you can take 70% of and just give 30% back, 30 back to us. Which is a pretty good deal for me, because I was going to make $7 per flag. Yeah. That was going to be my hourly wage, and they were just going to get 3 bucks per flag. They gave me a bunch of flags, and I did my best. And what I ended up doing was finding a 
<laughs> all the people that had very young children, hmm. basically they ended up paying me to go away. <laughs> um, like, because I was like going to be their friend and I was like really trying to sell them these flags. And so I was basically finding the people with children and selling them flags. And it was very drunk a lot of the time, but I really enjoyed it. But there's a sequel to this. One time, they paid these guys, uh, after I wasn't working at the um, Ren Fair anymore, they paid, uh, my, my partners paid the jailers to take me and put me in the prison. And I knew the game, so they'll never do that again. <laughs> I was very drunk in the prison, and I embarrassed them, and there's probably a video on YouTube somewhere <laughs> of me doing it. I want this video. <laughs> Yes. Long story short, I was very young and very stupid and very drunk a lot of the time. But those were some of my best days at the Rin Fair because, like, I just got to know so many people and, like, got to interact with, like, kids and their fucking nasty-ass little shithead parents that came and, like, were buying tons of beer for themselves and nothing for their kids. And, like, I sold them those flags. I wanted those kids to have those damn flags. And they weren't very good flags, but you know what? They really enjoyed them when they had them. And, and you I, need to represent your knight. Yeah. yeah you got to represent the knight. And the kids are all, like, really excited about it. And, like, they don't know the difference between a good flag and a bad flag. Now, I did feel bad that I was selling these flags for, like, $10 a piece. But also, I made sure to go for the people that looked like they deserved to spend $10 <laughs> on those flags. When I was a kid, uh, we went to go see Sesame Street Live. And I came back with one of those shitty felt flags. But it had, like, Ernie on it from Bert and Ernie. And but it was like badly printed on this shitty felt same thing like hot glue to a dollar rod. Yeah. I do not know what my parents paid for it, but it was like the cheapest thing you could buy, so that's what they bought. But I'm yeah. sure they overpaid for it. But I loved it as a kid. I like hung it up on my wall and yeah, shit. And I'm sure they were like, I paid ten dollars for that, but you do oh my you, God, I guess. Yeah. You guys are gonna make me go back to the Ren Fair. I'm gonna have to just go. <laughs> I remembered a better Ren Fair story. Wow, this makes me feel really good. Did I say something stupid? No, not better than you, better than mine, because mine was <laughs> shitty. Mine was bad. Redo, okay. redo. Okay, so okay. I had just started, I used to belly dance, and then I stopped for a while, and then I had just started again with a, it was, I started in a different town, and I just found a studio here, and one week into being at their studio, they were like, we're going to perform at the Ren Fair. You should come with us. And I'm like, I don't know any of your routines. I just started again. I'm out of shape. I don't know what I'm doing. And they're like, eh, it's the Ren Fair. It's just for fun. You can come do it. And so they dragged me out there and I don't know any of the routines. So I'm literally doing that like thing you see on movies where like I'm watching everybody else and like half a move behind, like trying to follow what they're doing. And they're, oh my God, there are photos. There's not video, but there are photos of this. And I've got like a veil and I'm like, I don't know what they're doing. And I'm like way out of sync with everybody. But I did it. Yeah. That, that's, that, that, that's, that's tough. Yeah. You got up in front of everybody and you did it. That's, that's a great thing. That you did, did you guys have mud beggars? Because I love the Pennsylvania mud beggars. Like, are those people that, like, wrestle in mud? Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. they run around and they threaten to, like, rub up against guests. <laughs> yes. We do have those. I love it. They're, they're usually delicious looking, at least at ours. I love to watch them. And they're hilarious when they rub up against the guests. I've never, I don't yeah. think Kansas City does that. You guys are in the Bible yeah. Belt. Everybody cares too much. Well, that is the the Rim Fair is where all of the like deviants do go. That was our home. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, now I had a friend who was an actor and um at the fair, and I used to come and tease him so relentlessly that I became part of the show. <laughs> and so I would just go every saturday and sunday every weekend just to tease the shit out of him it was so wonderful it was awesome <laughs> ren fair is a great place it and if you guys not... haven't gone go and always tip the people yes. who work there because they don't make shit that is where they make their living guys like tip those babies i was personally working as an illustrator at the time and i didn't have any money i was desperate and sometimes they live on the ground yeah. at the ren fair they do yeah mm -hmm. they do they do. Yeah, they just live on the grounds and travel to different Ren Fairs. A lot of them do. And interesting crew of people. Mm -hmm. Just 
a lot of fun. Have another yeah. sip. Have a sip. Yeah, have another sip of the one of the. I'm my booze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> finished mine, so I'm feeling good. I've got two. I've got Avery's and I've got the Barkhart bookshelf one. So I'm like, I should have made the Barkhart bookshelf one as well. Um, I didn't think ahead. Do, do we know if if the Barkhart bookshelf one is is based on the whole book or if it's based on Annaba? Um, I'm not sure if it's Annaba. I think it was just the Vestibule Road, and I mean that's just okay. scary enough. I mean she's okay. pretty scary, but the Vestibule Road by itself is a scary place. Yes, yeah, because it just it hits hard, and I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> it does hit hard. It does. <laughs> All, All right. right. So I think so going into something more serious, mm-hmm. there was a lot of stuff that went down this week and sort of like the weeks leading up to it. And we, you know, I I am still trying to wrap my head around all of it because there's a lot of moving pieces mm-hmm. um, for what we, we're seeing about book bands and stuff. Um, and I am actually, I'm having a terribly hard time finding information about, um, the book ban stuff and also, um, this Panther anti-racist union that you are a part of. Um, and it's a big deal right now. I think it's, it's something that really needs to come up right now. And I am having a hard time finding information on it. I know they just uh, joined Sarah Megabo's, uh, the, the agency and stuff like, and I want to know more. Absolutely. Um, in the summer of 2020, after the death of George Floyd, um, the advisor of the Panther Anti-Racist Union was Ben Hodge. And he just wanted to create a brave space for kids to come and talk about what was happening. It was during that summer that a bunch of teachers also got together to talk about resources that we could have for ourselves, not to supply in classrooms, that we could learn to how to have those conversations if children came asking questions. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you had some fragile white people on our school board lose their minds over some of the books and decide to attack, to define what a patriot was, um, to hide their white guilt, and to make an attempt (laughs) to bury books by and about BIPOC people and also the LGBTQ community. And we had a superintendent who was like, no, not going to go. I had never heard of CRT, so don't accuse me of teaching CRT because I didn't even know what that was until it came Mm -hmm. out the mouths of these toads, okay? (laughs) And COVID was there, so no one really knew that they had voted, our school board had voted to ban over 300 to 400 resources, most of them children's books, okay? And it took them a year, and they still hadn't read these books for review. So that tells you how smart their Lexile is, right? You know, (laughs) a book that takes like five minutes to read. Yeah. um, Pink is for boys. Really? You want to ban Pinkus for boys? That's one of the coolest kids' books out there. <laughs> um, and, and there were some books that caused you to bristle a little bit, but that's what literature is supposed to do. It's supposed mm-hmm. to cause you to bristle. When you talk about lynching and that sort of thing and police brutality and the civil rights movement, I, I bristle because it's an uncomfortable topic, but it's something that you need to talk about and to share those stories. So fast forward a year later, August, 2021, um, we had a diversity speaker, Dr. Monet, who was supposed to come and talk to the faculty. She got chased off by these white supremacists who celebrated on Facebook that they had frightened her and out of fear for her family, she withdrew and would not speak. And teachers had had it. And we got an email saying banned resources. The board will say it was a book freeze. Don't play semantics with a writer. Don't do that. Because your freeze had a chilling effect. It was a book ban. And what happened is the kids of the Panther Anti-Racist Union, the, the second iteration of it, the second generation of officers coming in, went to their advisor, Mr. Hodge, and said, what are you going to do about it? When they heard about it from the newspaper. And he said, no. What are you going to do about it? And he came down sweating bullets to my classroom. 
and he was like, Patty, I'm doing this thing. And the kids are talking about this and I don't know what to do. And I'm just going to tell you that my father had raised me. You, you don't call attention to yourself. You don't do that. You bow your head and there's nothing you can do except pray. But Ben Hodge was my friend and I knew they would come for him. And I was Anna Barain's. I was the nightmare. Nobody was getting close to him with that. So the kids, we had them control the narrative. We saw the signs they put up and we started protesting outside of the school early in the morning as the buses came in and um, the school board doubled down. You know, this isn't about black people, but that book, not quite Snow White, that's about a little black girl who auditions to be Snow White. And she makes it because of her hard work. Why is that banned? Right. Explain that to me. You didn't read right. it. Okay. It feels like a really arbitrary decision. Very like, much. What the fuck? Always black. Get rid of it. That, that's what that was. Yeah. There's and a pattern. It's, yes. They were going after these children's books. I mean, they were literally children's books. There were some things okay. that were um, anti-racist, you know, at the high school level that I don't think anybody was even using to be honest it was just the dog whistle that book is scary and it hurts black or hurts white people and it gives us self-guilt so we're going to make that go well that guilt is self-inflicted that's you that's you um so the board eventually reversed it though they had some segments of the board which are no longer there who wanted to reinstitute it and have another go at it. But oh I think gosh. the district was, oh my gosh, they relentless, relentless. And when the racism thing didn't work for them, they went after the LGBTQ community. And I run a cl- club called The Beautiful People, which is safe spaces for our LGBTQ plus community. Those children went and had their say with the board and embarrassed them. One young man talked about um, George M. Johnson's book, Not All Boys Are Blue because that is so pornographic. They actually got to read that at a board meeting. And the one lady said the word dick. I swear she got (laughs) soft and wet when she said it. Because she just emphasized the dick. You know, really? Do you feel good about yourself, honey? Do you feel good about yourself? But, you know, (laughs) I had arranged, um, I wanted to have George meet a kid that said that book saved his life. He read that book and had the courage to come out and say, I'm being raped by a family member um, and to help give him courage to survive. And we're talking a high school kid. He's 17 years old. This is not a book that's in elementary school. Yeah. Right. Okay. And um, I made arrangements. I contacted Sarah Megabo and I said, I need this author to talk to this kid. And Sarah's like, well, I happen to represent his agent. Really? So nice. the, I know George is in a Zoom meeting with this very nice young man, and I took a picture of it, and I put it on um, my social media, and at the last board meeting a week ago, that picture came up by these awful racist people, homophobic people that say that LGBTQ folks don't have constitutional rights and that they are a danger to children. She passed this picture around to the board members you know, to show how awful and terrible that I was. And then they read from the book and got hard for the night, I guess. I don't even know. <laughs> um, so the, the kids had a CNN interview and it just went crazy from there. It just almost went viral. It's gone international. One of the officers, Ida Gupta, is um, Indian American. When she went home for a wedding in India, her family knew about it. Oh, wow. He actually did an interview in Hindi, which was just wow. spectacular. Wow. Um, so I'm expecting great things from these kids to talk about their activism. Representation matters, why it matters, why your voice, whether you're 14, 15, 16 years old, why your voice matters. And no matter what the adults do, how you need to speak up when the adults take the wrong turn. Mm-hmm. And that's really going to be their their mission and we're going to hit that kind of hard. So I'm super proud of the girls. I'm the mom. I bring the tissues and the band-aids. <laughs> you know, even for my friend Ben, when he's feeling down and he's not sure, because they've attacked us. They have done these right to know requests to get us in trouble. They have 
these some of these school board members have used their power to try to get us terminated, you know, but you're not dealing with low hanging fruit. You're dealing with awesome teachers. Um, my day starts with children crying in my door, usually. And it's like, OK, let's this is not how I wanted my day to start. But come on, let's go. Let's go talk about this. Yeah. You know, so, um, so yeah, that, that's the adventure of the book band. Would you, do you, do you, are there links to some of the stuff online that you wouldn't mind? Like if I asked for them, could you, I, I am going to send you the okay. link tree where I have all the articles, some of those articles that would be great behind paywalls, but it will give you the gist of the journey of where the kids have gone. So, and, and one, one last thing about that. Um, we had a, an awesome TikToker named Hannah Shipley who she got in contact with Brad Meltzer, who's a best-selling author, because his books were banned. He had children's books about Rosa Parks banned. Um, and he got on Fox News, and even Fox News is like, yeah, that's a bad idea. You shouldn't be doing that. Um, but in any case, he basically shouted out to his followers, and there was a wish list put together. And we did a distribution. Well, Hannah did a distribution. 4,000 books were gone in 15 minutes. Wow. That's amazing. Like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Oh my God. All the banned books and our library made sure that those banned books were on the shelves. Um, and there were other places and we didn't even know how far reaching it had gotten, but Dr. Bernice King reached out to talk to the girls. That's the youngest daughter of Dr. Martin Luther King. Wow. Oh, okay. And it was amazing, yeah, you know, and then we had state senators reach out. The kids actually got to speak at the Capitol during band book week. Um, they have, I'm, I'm just proud. I'm a very proud mama nightmare of where they have gone. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, and you, like, that is like, to me, cause I, as I was like, I was like, wow, is she really working at the school where all the shit's going down? Like, cause it's like, it's almost like fate, you know, like, like what, what would have happened if you hadn't been there? You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't believe in coincidence. I, I think that you are placed by the universe in places where you are most needed. And it's, it's been hard. Um, these people have pranked my mother's house. Um, and that's the one thing that sends me from zero to 150 where I am illogical and will go to jail. Do not mess with my mother. When you're Don't trying to act. animal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's it's been a very difficult year trying to save my job, put on a face for the kids, you know, and continue writing as best I can. Um, it's It's been difficult. Well, appreciate it, though. Like, Thank seriously. you. Well, how, how lucky. I'm going to try to say this without getting too emotional, but I do. I'm a crier. I'm sorry. Um, but I do want to say just thank you because I had a couple teachers like you and it's not an exaggeration to say that those teachers did save my life. So teachers like you are very sorely needed um, for students that need them. Thank you. And I really, yeah. that, that's, it's a really awesome thing that you're doing. Oh, don't thank cry. You. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah no I, I just yeah the fate the fate in that is just it, it it's fucking mind-blowing to me so that's that's amazing you know you know you've really done your you know you've really done your work when it just falls in your palms like that you can really tackle it because man if you weren't there like who knows like who knows mm -hmm. yeah I just needed to make sure Ben was protected and and I can't take children on field trips because <laughs> that's the mind looking at them the wrong way that's going to be a part. Why are you looking at them? Yeah. That's mine. Yeah. Don't look at my children. And I just like when I remember going to a Dungeons and Dragons competition and um, I had a 13 year old with me and her mother had said, make sure nothing happens to my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I took that seriously. And there is a gentleman there. He had this coin and he was a dirty, nasty thing. It was a, a vagina on one side and a butt on the other. The a woman. Fuck? Now. And he was passing this around. He thought it was cool. Okay, it's cool. And it's a bunch of dudes. That's and I have this pretty 13-year-old with me. And he goes to hand it to her. And I said, she does not need to see that. And he smiled and still handed it to her. And 
Mm. Somebody was standing behind me and put their hands on my shoulder because I was going for his face. <laughs> it, it was over. All I could see was, you're going down. Oh, my. And I'm going to jail. And the, and the kid never took it because she knew. Oh <laughs> she knew not to take it. Don't take and they, that, asked guy, they asked the guy to kind of step out of the room because, Good. yeah. Good. Don't mess any child that's under my, my watch. Yeah, don't What's wrong with people. <laughs> like, oh, like, oh my god. Oof. Thank you for filling us in on that because yeah, I needed the info. And, yeah, we will uh, definitely put any of the links you send us. We will put on the website yeah. on our show notes page so that people can easily find them. Cool, excellent. But I have a funny question. Uh-huh. Go for it. Maybe you'll get me in trouble. I don't know. <laughs> There is, it's okay. So I don't, I think it actually might've been a friend of mine because I really like angels and there's, a, there's angels, Nephilim, Seraphim stuff going on in your, in your book. And so for me, I like sat down and I was like, fuck yes, there's Nephilim in this book. It's going to be so sexy. And I had this, someone tell me, Nephilim are not sexy. They do not have sex. They do not have genitals. <laughs> they do not have this stuff and i'm just like well so (laughs) and so i guess i was just gonna ask like 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 what is your like aside from like um the 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 dante's inferno stuff like do you have any connection with that like do you have you ever looked at monster porn i'm not (laughs) (laughs) this is a real podcast here and i'm gonna do the real podcast you um, do you I, look at Nephilim the way that I've, the way that I've, I've only seen the demon hentai and the tentacle stuff. I've only seen that. Um, <laughs> a lot of people see the Nephilim as these giant, carnivorous, cannibalistic giants. Okay, but where did they come from? They came from angels, stupid humans. <laughs> that's where they came from. You know, so clearly they have the jump they got the jump. um so the jump. my premise my premise was that if the angel was of good character you had an a human almost human like child that would have had additional fingers and toes who had some sort of grace from their parent if the angel was not made of good stuff you had a terrible creature that was born such as pacifay mm-hmm. Um, who was the wife of Minos, um, her child was the Minotaur. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Like I- so, and then there was Poseidon. It happens very early in the book when Father Page is explaining what was going on with Michael. Okay, but yeah, I- Poseidon was he, was, a, he was a seraphim. He was a naughty, he was a naughty angel. So when he had a child, it was the Cyclops. Yeah, that was one of the early parts of the book where I was like, oh, we're going to be bringing in some other shit. This is. Oh, yeah, I remember that now. I, I think I just. Yeah, I think I had one of those moments where I was real. I was like, I, I guess I just didn't fully understand. But now that you're saying it out loud, I'm like, yeah. oh, gotcha. Yeah. OK, cool. Yeah. I will say when we do get our merch shop started, Nephilim have the junk. It's going to be one of our T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> I need that shirt (laughs) because a lot of people go for the premise that, you know, God sent the great flood to punish man, you know, but if you read some of the apocalyptic books, no, he didn't. He was mad at mankind, but he really wanted to fuck with his angels because they had created these children that were going to destroy the creation and he had to get rid of them somehow. He's mad at his angels. Yeah. Religion is sexy, people, and it can be sexy. I don't know why someone yelled at me for this. I'm like, no, it's hot. Come on. Like, there's action here, guys. I don't know. I'm just glad. I'm just glad <laughs> that I wasn't completely wrong. I feel vindicated. <laughs> you are vindicated. Okay. Well, we're kind of hitting our, our time limit. So do we want to kind of, do we have any like final thoughts or we can kind of go? Uh, I guess we can be done. I had so much fun. <laughs> this is a fun one. I did too. I'm sad. That was the fastest hour ever. <laughs> it was. I, I hope that we, um, 
I I saw that you've been like you've been in a lot of podcasts, so I hope that we have covered some stuff that maybe you weren't able to cover elsewhere. Have we? Oh, definitely the horse stuff. Okay, you know cool, that was cool. a lot of fun to talk about that because not many folks have asked about that at all. And this was very much a horse book. The Angry mm-hmm. Robot publishers were very tickled that to have a book by someone who knew mm-hmm. horses, you know, for horseback riders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm glad that I'm glad I'm glad that Angry Robot is here to publish stuff that people need that nobody else like you know like I I love their I love their tag uh, we publish science science fiction fantasy and what the fuck they have that <laughs> up at the top and I'm like yes we need all of this in the world and you know thank goodness for it and I thank goodness Sarah Megamo decided to take another look at the manuscript because like it is so fun and it's so unique compared to a lot of the fantasy stuff out there like you don't. You don't go on trips like this one. Yeah. <laughs> and like another fan. Well, I'm I'm hoping lightning will strike twice because um I'm putting the finishing touches on the nightmare hitman. Oh yeah. Ooh. Yes. This is not Michael and Annaba. This is a male nightmare. And the story is father's exorcism. Okay. So you're saying that this next story that you're working on takes place in the same universe. Yes. Uh, very <laughs> cool. I see. Nice. DC's over here like, do I get an arc of it? <laughs> and, I'll, do I'll I do it? and I was worried about hell. I, my inner eight-year-old, I also want the inner eight-year-old with my writing. And I was like, inner eight-year-old, where, where's the hell stuff coming? Where are we going? And all I can remember at that time was, we're going to the Library of Alexandria. Why are we going there? Because it's in hell. Hell yes! Oh, Oh, oh. I've never had an arc before. I'll beg for one. (laughs) (laughs) I've never had one. (laughs) Really, please keep me in your thoughts. (laughs) Well, it was so wonderful having you on. You guys are rock stars. I love it. I will come back anytime. Yes. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I can't scare you away because there's there's actually some stuff on this list we didn't get to. So, yeah. Round two. Yeah, I would love that. You guys are so much fun. And I want to thank you for that because a colleague of mine was murdered over the weekend. Oh, shit, um, shit. She taught just down the hall from me and was our school. She was the homecoming planner, uh, varsity club. Her name was Erin Walker. And she was senselessly taken and she leaves behind a three-year-old daughter. Um, And this has been a very difficult week, especially with what happened in Texas. Um, so this has been the first real glimmer of joy that I've been able to have this week. I mean, even just leaving school for the summer, um, there's a finality to it that I'm just not willing to accept yet. Uh, I, I can still see her out of the corner of my eye, bringing all her bags in the morning with her, her coffee and me saying, you need help? Nope, I'm good. Um, and just teasing her. Um, and I won't have a chance to do that because someone has robbed me and the children in our community of that wonderful soul. Oh my God. You know, that is fucking unfortunate. I'm, you know, just to, I know we're going a little bit over That's here, fine. but I just want to say, if you come across anyone who has been involved, any child, any, you know, parent of a child who has been involved in a school shooting or anything like that, you know, especially this close to summer, because some some kids who go to these schools, they don't have, um, you know, they don't have some of the things at home that they have at school. They don't have yeah. support at home. Yeah. And for something this terrible to happen this close to summer vacation, there's a lot of kids out there that won't have the, the, the therapy. They won't have the social connection. They won't have anybody to talk to about it because some kids aren't fortunate um, enough to have therapists or teachers or yeah. even parents at home who will talk to them about this stuff. And this stuff is going to really weigh on them for right. the next, until they come back to school in the fall. So like when, you know, you know, if you come across any of these people, make sure you reach out, make sure you tell them it's okay. If you see a kid, you know, make sure to treat them nice. Like and listen, listen, listen. Yeah. Cause uh, a lot of people don't think about what children lack at home and, and to go home with this sort of thing on their mind and to have no one, to talk to them about it because it happens so close to summer vacation. It is absolutely devastating. Mm-hmm. So thank you for being there for everybody. Yeah. Patty, thanks for being here for us. Glad we could add some glow to your week. And uh, it was great having you. It was. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. 
we'll be on a short hiatus from live streams for the next few weeks. Um, but we'll continue to post our mini episodes each week. Um, our next live stream is going to be on June 24th for the podcast and we'll be on head hopping and, um, POV breaks. Yeah. Yes. I'm here for that one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and um yeah you, so you can find everything at our website and it's writing.com you can look us up anywhere you can find spodcast or spodcast spotify <laughs> itunes anywhere you find podcasts you can follow us on twitter at and it's writing if you liked anything you heard in this episode please check out the web page we will have the uh, the page up with all of the show notes and all of the links that we talked about um so yeah thank you for joining us and we will see you again soon Bye. Bye. See ya.